and welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you to live your life well. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can jump on our website at differentlight.com.au and click the connect button. Or could we encourage you to also support our work by clicking on the giving button. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, uh, welcome. Good to have you here this morning. Always a real privilege to share uh, and with uh, any sense of uh, being uh, like joke or anything like that, this is my favourite audience to talk to, people of purpose, people that want to make their faith stronger, people that have a desire to go, uh, God, what are you up to in this season right now? People that could be doing absolutely anything uh, on a beautiful Sunday morning, but you've chosen to be here, and I believe uh, God's going to speak to you through the words that I have uh, to share today, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. When it comes to reading the Bible, I love reading the Bible. And one of my favourite reasons for reading the Bible is because so much of Scripture is easy to understand. It is accessible. Uh, I can just open it during the morning and and this gives me just a great word for the day up ahead. I, I know where I'm heading. This gives me hope and inspiration for my day or my month or my week ahead. Yeah, so when we uh, think about what Jesus says, so often when Jesus says something, we can just go, aha, I know exactly what he's talking about today. I love that there's so many scriptures like that in the Bible. And then there's the scripture that I'm speaking on today, which is a little bit more confusing, a little bit harder to maybe understand. Uh, when we look at it from the surface level, we might be going, what the heck is this talking about? But I want to encourage you to approach that with a sense of fascination and curiosity because there's a layered and deeper meaning that I believe is one of the great mysteries and spiritual principles as we open the Bible. And that is the other reason why I love reading the Bible as well. I've been praying this week quite regularly that uh, there would be people with open hearts today to receive a message, not just hear a good thought today, but there is an open heart towards what is God saying to you. I know the three of us, Andy, Elise, myself, we have this collective vision, among other things, that we just uh, really believe that God is strengthening this church right now from the inside out. And we've been talking about it a lot last year, and I'm so excited that when I see snippets of it happening, and I know there's more that's happening that I don't even see as well, but I love that God is strengthening this church from the inside out. Out. He wants to strengthen this church from the inside out. Our community needs a church that is strong from the inside out. Any fruit of anything that we do out there will be from the strength of, I'm not talking about numbers necessarily, but I'm talking about the hearts of people uh, as we go out and help the community as well. <clears throat> I want to give a little bit of a pre-warning, uh, so maybe you want to hold the claps uh, to later, but today's theme, uh, I believe, will test your resolve a little bit as a person of faith, even just a little bit, I hope. I believe it also put a healthy strain or maybe on a a challenge on that uh, throwaway phrase we often use, like, oh yeah, I put God first in every area of my life. I love to do that. So easy to say, but a lot harder to do. I know some of you might just be like, you've heard stress and strain and strength and resolve, and you're just like, I'm I'm out. I'm just going to go ahead for a latte now. And uh, you can do that if you want, but I encourage you to stick in there, or maybe if you're listening on the podcast, uh, you're just like, I don't need this today. Uh, Give me something a little bit from the Psalms or something, I don't know. But don't worry. I'm going to be, I'm going to 
I'm going to be a captain today. I'm going to be a pilot today. And I'm like a pilot on one of those trusted airlines. Uh, not like a, not a pilot on one of those other untrusted airlines. It's, look, takeoff's, take, look, takeoff's been all right. It's been pretty smooth. It might get a little bumpy and turbulent along the way, but I promise, I promise uh, that I will land this plane safely. Might even get you out on time and uh, it's going to be a good ride. And you might even look at the world a little bit differently after you uh, have finished, which when you've had a bumpy and turbulent ride, that's often what you happen. You're like, okay, I really appreciate so much other stuff now. Uh, but when we read the Bible, actually, it should change us. It should change us, and we should look at the, uh, the life differently as well. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 16, verse 1 to 14. And remember that a parable is a simple story that illustrates a powerful spiritual lesson or principle that we are to take hold of and often spoken to a specific audience. And before this uh, gets read, it's the parable of the shrewd manager. Shrewd manager. Do you know what shrewd means? Do you know what shrewd means? So often when I think of shrewd or initially thought of shrewd, and maybe you did too, it might have like negative uh, connotations in the sense of like shrewd. I don't know why, but yeah, just even the way you say it can say it like, you can almost say it like an evil tone, like shrewd. He's shrewd. He's a shrewd manager. Do you ever say that around the water cooler? Oh, look at that guy, shrewd manager. Or maybe it sounds a bit like Scrooge or, or uh, stingy or I don't know what it is. It just has, and actually, if you're well uh, read around here, there's a famous sort of text called uh, Taming of the Shrew, which shrew comes from the word shrewd. And my wife informs me it's about a medieval male misogynist. And uh, today's message is not about that. <laughs> you can rest assured. But maybe that's why we have this negative characteristic. But actually, I believe the, uh, what, uh, the meaning of this text and also what I'd like us to take home from this is that shrewd is someone who thinks astutely, someone who shows sharp judgment, someone who is clever and wise. And when I think about those words, I really think of nobody else other than Mark Sewell. He's astute and sharp judgment. And actually... Uh, Mark is going to read this Bible passage for us today. It's like the 80s and 90s, like a throwback when people got rostered on to read the Bible reading. And I've rostered Mark Sewell on today. Uh, I don't think the roster goes beyond this week, but uh, Mark's on today. And Mark's just trying out the back row, aren't you, Mark? How are you, Mark? Good, thanks, Josh. It's very good. Good. Someone said, oh, you're brave giving the mic to Mark. So, <laughs> and I said, oh, come oh, on. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So just stick to the Bible passage, Mark, okay. if you don't mind. So. I'll try. There you go. I'll try. Do you want to read it now? You've given it a really big um, intro. Yeah. Well, you also said when I told you the Bible passage uh, that you were to read from, you texted me back saying, good luck. <laughs> so... Exactly. Yeah, so why don't you set it up and then uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. So. I love reading stories where Jesus appears to contradict himself. So this is awesome. Well done, Josh. Good on you. Good luck. So Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager managing, handling his affairs. One day, a report came to the manager that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg and there's no Centrelink. 
yet. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they'll welcome you to an eternal home. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees, who clearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Fantastic. Why don't you mark a hand? I read that well. And um, he's got one of those voices that should be like reading stories on an app. So, uh, uh, hey, as we digest uh, what's going on in this scripture, just, uh, let's do a quick uh, flyover on how you may have read that before. Or maybe how you heard that uh, passage in the past when you've, or as Mark read it as well. Everything in that story, to me anyway, makes sense up until the manager gets fired. I mean, he's dishonest with the master's money. Uh, he, he wastes it. He goes around cutting people's bills and then he gets fired. That sounds very logical, doesn't it? And then we get to the part where Jesus seems to praise or condone the behaviour of the manager. We just think, what the heck is the deal with that? And then if you read the Bible, sometimes like I have, you're just kind of like you're reading something and then you get to something that's like awkward, strange, not sure if it should be in there and you just do, like you just turn the page. Like, <laughs> just, I'm going to pretend that's not there. Oh, here's some safe, quotable scripture. If you're going to be, oh, if you're going to be uh, honest with little things, you're going to be, uh, big things will come. Okay, I've got that. Yeah, you can't serve too much. Great, these are great one-liners. I have no idea how it connects to the above, but I'm also just going to pretend, look, someone's missed the editing on that. Uh, I don't know how that got passed, uh, but we're not really sure. But you know what? Uh, we need to piece it together today because I can't skip over. I can't pretend that doesn't exist. And uh, I, uh, I can't pretend we're not going to talk about that part. But I do want to uh, encourage you as well that this is that part, that awkward part is also, I believe, the overall point of what is going on. So this parable and its most authentic actually is not about uh, not wasting possessions. Although, good tip, like write that down, don't waste my possessions. Uh, but that's not the actual overall meaning of that. This also is not 
uh, the authentic meaning of this scripture is not uh, about not being dishonest with money. Again, like write that one down for free. That's a really good tip. Don't be dishonest with money. Actually, this parable is about a wrestle and a struggle we can all have where things that are powerful in our lives are jostling for position for the right place in our heart when it comes to moving the kingdom of God forward. And Jesus is highlighting that money is one of those things that jostle for position in our heart. And a couple of things to note, the master here in the story is not God. In fact, he's just a worldly boss. This is a, a story about a worldly boss in a normal society. In fact, both characters are human, so they're not perfect, which is why parables aren't as simple as like grabbing the actions and just going do likewise. There's something deeper, a mystery to be understood. Jesus is using a worldly story that is directed at his disciples, by the way, because he also knew that the disciples understood this structure of, uh, of how life works and they understand working for rich people and all those types of things. But I also think Jesus provocatively, uh, and I'm just hypothesising, he also said it to his disciples hoping the Pharisees would kind of eavesdrop on the conversation and that they would listen. And this is clear to me because he says this is saying to the disciples but he ends by addressing the Pharisees. In the end, remember the Pharisees are religious teachers of the law uh, highly religious in the sense that yeah, they, they, they're going to get right behaviour right and it doesn't really matter so much about the heart. And they do eavesdrop on what's going on. Jesus knew something. He was right again. And when they listened in, they scoffed and they thought, Jesus' ways are crazy. This is a wild story. So if we dig a bit deeper, the manager is fired. Now this sounds about right because he wasn't doing a good job. We don't know why or how. It doesn't mention, uh, you know, how bad a job he was doing necessarily. It's not the main theme of the story. I do note, though, that the master has a few holes in his HR policies uh, because he fires the manager and, like, you know, that moment where you, uh, you know, hypothetically, you fire someone and you've got to walk them out of the building with their things. The, manager seems, the master seems to forget that process and just lets the manager go out and talk to all his customers still. Now, if you want a sort of a modern-day equivalent of this parable, not exact, I kind of think about Jerry Maguire and uh, where Jerry Maguire sort of gets a new way of doing business and then he sort of decides to tell everyone about it, doesn't like it, and he's standing in the middle of the, of the office, you know, with his goldfish holding it up, saying, who's coming with me? And it turns out nobody comes with him except Renee Zellweger and the goldfish, but actually that's where this story differs because the, ma- uh, the manager goes around and builds favour really quickly. How? By, like, slashing people's bills some sort of fire sale on all the invoices. But here's where the logic gets bumpy. And our minds, aren't they? They're so wide, usually, well, mine is anyway, for logic. We actually live in a fairly justice-orientated culture that, like, uh, you know, people should get what they deserve. And we can often read stories like that. Well, I know what this guy deserves. I clearly know where this story's heading. So when the master finds out uh, that it, what he's been doing after he's been fired, you would think that he would throw him in jail, he would slander him, he would cancel him, he would defame him, he would condemn him. But actually, no logical course of action takes place. He commends him. It's not a spelling error. He doesn't condemn him. He commends him. He's commended by the master for wasting his possessions and then wasting them further. I mean, this is the most unbiblical Bible passage I've ever read. 
the master says, I like your thinking. I can see where you're going with that. I like your angle. I mean, you're still fired, but well played. Well played. So why? The application of this is not Jesus will commend me for being dishonest with money. Or in fact, Jesus is not pleased when we use money to bribe others to win over friends. Come on, let's really hone in on this. To understand this, we need to remind ourselves that this is a parable, an illustration, not meant to be, this is not a leadership bestseller. All right, don't pick this up and go and do in your business likewise. But there is a mysterious spiritual principle here that's illustrated by Jesus' wild story that sure makes it memorable. So let's talk about the time between the manager getting fired and when he goes around to the customers and then his interaction with the master. That time, the exact time frame is not mentioned. But I'm going to safely assume, I think we can safely assume today, it was a short time before the master found out what was going on. This solution that the manager came up, for, uh, came up with was for a temporary moment. And I want us to hold this time in mind, this temporary moment, this short time. Because I actually believe this purpose of this time is meant to be a metaphor for our life here on earth, which is often described as short, often described as temporary, or some people will just say life is short. You remember the shrewd manager, or the shrewd is to be astute, sharp judgment, clever in a moment because he realises he's got a moment here. That's all he's got. He's got a moment here, an opportunity in time. He's faced with a crisis of decision-making. What am I going to do here? And he's shrewd not because he just goes and does what he feels like. He goes and does something in even the master's eyes, clever, that showed sharp judgment when faced with a crisis of decision-making. Now, side note, I love, again, I love the Bible because nothing's wasted in the Bible when it comes to words that are said. And I like when the master finds out what's going on, or sorry, when the manager gets fired and he, it says, the manager thought to himself. It's a good little phrase to highlight. The manager thought to himself, do we do that when we have a crisis of decision-making to make? Do we just take a moment and think to ourselves for a minute? Or we're the type of people that I know I can be sometimes, just go with the flow. Or I'm in a crisis here, I'm going to look for anyone to blame. But actually, no, he recognised there's an opportunity to be seized here. I'm going to think to myself. I said a couple of weeks ago, a message, I love speaking that message about the growing seed. And part of that message talked about never wasting a crisis. Never wasting a crisis. And the manager was sure in a crisis here and he wasn't going to waste it because he was in a big hole. He couldn't dig. He was too proud to beg other things he couldn't do. So he was in a moment where he knew, I can't waste this. And I think the climatic twists of this, in a moment of crisis of decision-making, what does he choose to focus on? He's shrewd because he shows incredible presence of mind to secure his future rather than focusing on himself because time is short. He knew this moment is temporary. He could have said, oh, he got fired and he just walked out and left the master in the lurch. Could have said he went out, started slashing all the bills, but then took half for himself. Or he just demanded the whole invoice and kept all of that himself as well. No, it says that he focused on others, discounting their bills to focus on relationships to secure his future. There is so much in this passage that I believe Jesus is not condoning, which is why Jesus also goes on to say, if you are dishonest with money, even with a little, you won't be trusted with much. 
I, mean, I don't know why Jesus like used this wild... I, I can think of a hundred simpler analogies to get the point across about using a moment in time, but I don't know if they'd be as memorable. And it reminds us again that I, Jesus wanted to get a reaction out of people that really loved money. And also, it just reminds all of us, even if we're in that boat or not, that Jesus' kingdom is really upside down, very countercultural. Something different about it. He even makes a point, which oh, a bit offensive, really, that people who are not of faith are better at it than you are. Which also reminds me again, and I want to encourage us too, that uh, this is not the only place we can learn about God. We know that. It's good that you're here. Connect groups, not the only place. You can learn about God from anywhere. Sometimes God teaches me the biggest lessons about something with someone that I just never, ever expected. But if you remember nothing else or write nothing else down, what the manager gets right among so many things wrong is that he used money as a tool, an instrument, a means to a specific end. The manager secures his future by downgrading his love of money to assure, to be assured that he prioritised a relationship or relationships. You've heard it said, life is short. So love people and use money. Don't use people and love money. One of my favourite quotes is, money is a great servant but a terrible master. Use our wealth for beyond ourselves. And when I said the word wealth, maybe some of you are like, hey, I'm not wealthy. I mean, I could stand Bryn Sewell up here and he loves to share some facts about how wealthy people in our society are compared to the rest of the world. We actually, I believe most of us have a choice of where we can direct our money to. Many people in the world don't even have a choice of where they can direct their money to. One, because they don't have any or just because they're under such oppression. So then I started to think, well, maybe this is, I'm the keynote speaker uh, with a gathering of people who are the most wealthy in the world or some of the most wealthy in the world, if we look at it that way. <coughs> um, if you're worried that you've come on Money Sunday, <laughs> you haven't. You haven't come on Money Sunday because we don't just talk about money on one Sunday. We actually talk about it every week and we talk about it in our connect groups all the time or our leadership meetings. We don't shy away from talking about money at Lighthouse. Why would we? Why would we? I know the three of us, we want to lead a church that makes sense to every day in life. And I'll tell you what we do every day. We have money. We use money. We spend money. We save money. Sometimes we abuse money. We worry about money. Jesus said lots about money. 12 out of the 38 parables were about money and possessions. The word money is mentioned more in the Bible than it is faith. Jesus knows what a struggle it is. And he knows too that we only have room for one Lord. And the way we deal with money seems to be really important now, but also how much we'd be trusted with bigger things or eternal riches. And there's so much more I could say about that and, and, and could unpack with that. That's a really quick flyover. And I'll recommend some reading that digs into that a little bit more as well. But when someone says that, a preacher says that, like so often our first response response is like guilt can rise a little bit. 
or shame. Can, oh, have I used my money well? Have I loved people or have I used people? Oh, I don't know. Why is he saying that? And I want to let you know I had the same feeling when I, when I started to write this. And there was a voice in my head that says, you're not qualified to talk about this. You're it. But I don't get my qualifying from accusing voices. And I want to also encourage you too that if there's a voice in there like, oh, I know what you've done. It's not the voice of God. It's not the voice of God. It's God that qualifies you. And I don't know about you, but I want to use my money for the purpose to build relationships, to do good and to serve his kingdom. So where can we uh, start? Maybe some actions. And then I'm going to finish with prayer in a moment. Like, you're like, okay, great. Good, Josh. Got it. Where do I, like, where do I start? I'll tell you just a really simple starting place is just ask God, where can I be generous this week? Just where could you be like out of the box, just something a little bit different, generous? And you say, why do you say that? And I say, well, I'll tell you what. Like when you just have, when you do something generous with something that costs you, Two, you've got like this struggle in your soul. But many people, I know you'd like, you, you've felt this too, but it is exhilarating. It's exhilarating being generous and you feel like a little bit out of control. And there's times where God's definitely spoken to me about it, but there's also times where I probably walk past that idea of being generous and maybe not being as obedient as I should have been. But one time I feel like I was, was a couple of, uh, it was about a year ago. And I was on long service leave. So I was away from work and away for about seven, eight weeks and I would take regular walks down the beach and I'd get in my car and drive back to the beach and I would, don't judge me for this, but I would uh, listen to ABC radio on the way home. Like the talk back one and people ring in and they just share stories about what's not happening in their life and this particular story was actually nothing too special about it. It was a, 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 an older woman and she was calling in and sort of complaining about the fact that pay right, pays were going up but the pension wasn't. And uh, she talked about going into the, uh, the grocery store and having to choose between essentials and a, uh, her uh, chocolate biscuits that she liked to have with a cup of tea. And God spoke to me and said, solve that. I'm like, what, the chocolate biscuits? No, you could, you could do something about it. I mean, I've heard hundreds of these stories. You could do something about that. So, you know, without much other prompting, I, I called up the radio station and I said, uh, that, that lady that shared a story, something sort of resonated in my, in my heart about that. We so often don't see old, older people in our community and I just, I want to do something about that you can't, choose between a pack of, I don't want to make sure she doesn't have a choice, you know, she just gets the biscuits. Like, oh, it's lovely, thanks so much for doing that and we'll call back in a minute and get you live on radio I'm like, oh, great. Uh, so I came inside and I said, hey, oh, hey T, um, I'm just about to go on live radio and uh, I'm going to uh, offer to pay for a year's worth of chocolate biscuits for a lady I've never met. Talita knows me pretty well and she sort of knows now to sort of go on with it. I said, oh, God, God told me to do it. And she said, okay, oh, go for it, go for it. I feel like I did have to add that because it's a bit strange. 
Anyway, I, I called up. The kids are all shushing, and then I've, uh, yeah, I'm on live radio, and they're like, oh, which, uh, hey, Josh, which community group are you from? And you know how much I love to talk about this church and talk it up. And there was a moment in me actually thought, oh, we could make this into something. I'm going to call Andy Elise and we can get like a year's worth of biscuits out to all the aged care homes. And, oh, it's incredible. But I felt like, like God said, uh, Josh, focus on yourself. And you are on long service leave, so don't make it into work. Uh, so I said, I'm Josh from uh, Mount St. Thomas. Josh from Mount St. Thomas. Ah. Oh. Uh, anyway, long, not to make a long story any longer, uh, connected uh, this lady, drove down to Gerringong. Uh, with the vouchers worth of years worth of chocolate biscuits, gave it to her. We had a cup of tea together. No doubt she also talked about, you know, how her son hadn't visited for ages and this idea of just building relationship because I tell you what, when our worldly wealth is used for relationship, when all that wealth is gone, those relationships are still there. Just like when the manager got fired, relationships are still there. Here's some mindsets to talk about with God this week. If you run a business here today, if you run a business here today, does your P&L, is that in like a jostling or a power struggle with your relationships with staff or customers? Where does that kind of sit in that hierarchy there? If you're a parent today, is acquiring things more important and spending time with your spouse or your kids? I know, I know we need money, we need to provide, but is acquiring things more important than those things? And if you drop the principle of tithing or have decided not to, sorry, last bit of turbulence, I want to say it's okay. And it's also your choice. And you can even be here if you don't. We're not, we don't know if you're you or not. We only know if you tell us. So you can be here even if not. But I tell you, if you're here, what you're regularly going to hear is an invitation, an exhilarating opportunity to be obedient and to live off 90% of what God has provided you with anyway, rather than trusting ourselves with it all. Yes, you play a valuable part in building the local church and which helps to transform others and that is prioritising the kingdom as well. But this is hard enough already, by the way, if you're tired, but the, the fact of you, you can know confidently that my money is surrendered to God. And I know from here I could draw a long bow to just encouraging us in a more general sense around making sure things aren't in a jostling match with our heart over God. But actually, and I wanted to actually, to kind of make the message a little bit safer, land on a little bit more of a cushy tarmac. Say, well, it's money, but it's also these other things. But I feel like God also just said just today, just don't depart from that topic of money. And as I mentioned, I was praying for open hearts to receive this message. I also hope for you it brings new meaning to the verse in the Bible where the parable lands, which says, no one can serve two masters. No one. No one can. I've tried because I thought I could, <laughs> but no one can. For you will hate one, love the other, and you'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It sounds like serious language, doesn't it? Enslaved to money. But also, uh, I don't think this is something we do with a sinister edge. Like, oh, I'm going to money. I'm a slave to money. I actually think so often it's just like, how did I get here? What, why is money dominating my life here? 
I want it to be used for purposes of good. And I want to, as Elise said, I want to give that power away at different points. And I want this to be surrendered. I don't think it's a sinister thing. It just feels like our money journey, our financial life is just happening to us. I'm not saying you need to do anything immediately with this. But my heart is if you feel like, oh, that, yeah, I am a bit of a slave to money. I feel like it's just taking so much precedence in my life. It's dominating my thoughts. Well, then I've spoken this message for you. And I believe that even when we were uh, worshipping God, I just felt like God was showing me a picture of just, it's a picture from God, so bear with me. It's not my picture. It's just like shackles breaking off people's wrists. I'm going to break people free today. Yet we need money. We want more money. We want to spend money. We want to save money. We want to give money. We want to do all those things. But just that where it sits in our heart, is it in a jostle for position of like, because the Bible is, is clear. So I think we have a moment not to waste, to make a difference. And I'm going to pray for people who want to take on that challenge and Thank God for obedient hearts and blessing people as they go. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'll have mine open just so I don't fall off the stage. But if you just felt like, yeah, I feel like money is a bit of, I'm a slave to money. I've positioned it higher because I don't know how to trust God as much as perhaps I should. If you know that it's in a, in a spot that just needs to be downgraded so your love of God and your trust in Him can, can take over. If you've forgotten maybe that this is a temporary moment, just without hesitation, you're not raising your hand to me. I'm not going to follow you up raising your hand to God, saying, God, I need your help with that. Just raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is not for poor people, rich people, retired people, uni students. This cuts across everyone. One last chance just to take a step. I'm going to call you forward. God, you've seen those hands. You know their stories. God, I'm just facilitating and equipping going on today. That's my job. So, God, I just trust you in Jesus' name that you would break them free of being enslaved to money, caring about it too much, worrying about it too much. And God, would you make your peace, people who've got their hands raised, we, we don't know how, maybe. It might not be logical, but God, would your peace invade that space? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, a couple of, um, little bit of extra reading, because uh, I don't want to just like drop a drop a bomb and walk out, but um, and this won't be the only time you hear about money as well. But two books that I have enjoyed reading, 
or find them challenging, and I've read a couple of times. Uh, you can get them, I'm sure, what do they say, all good bookstores. And I'm sure it's on Amazon. But God, Money and Me uh, by Paul DeYong. He's a pastor in New Zealand. And he talks about money and tithing and uh, investing and those things quite openly. And I know that might sound a little bit like, oh, he's a pastor, he's read a book about money. I know where he's going with that. But uh, Paul's church is a church I deeply respect. Uh, they are a church that... Uh, gives so much away to community uh, you know like there's churches like I believe we are and we're continuing to become but a church that like if that church's doors closed in New Zealand the community would absolutely notice uh, so really it's, he's got that heart behind it and then the other one is just the psychology of money I feel like I need to tell you this one's written not by a person of faith uh, but I always have a giggle when I read these anyway because they're, they're sharing their brilliant thoughts but it's really just biblical uh, so, um, but I found that really helpful uh, as well, the psychology of money and God, money and me. Thank you for listening to the Lighthouse Podcast. We hope this message brings inspiration and encouragement to your day. If you want to check out any of our other podcasts or the work that we do or when and where we gather, jump on our website at differentlight.com.au. Catch you later.